In this episode, we cover the data and privacy changes already underway at Facebook, as well as the first discount effort from a brand through Google Assistant, charitable efforts through Alexa, and so much more. It's the Britain Digital Update podcast for the week of April 2nd, 2018. Hi, I'm Dave Begood, host of the Britain Digital Update podcast, where we give you the latest social media, marketing, retail, and digital news. Now, for many years, we were encouraged to jump on social media. We could use it to network. We could use it to promote our brands. And it was all free. It's free to be on social media. You got to use it. We're reaching so many people until we didn't because we had to start paying for it. Yeah, a lot of us tried to say otherwise. It's not so free to be on social media. The truth is that we pay for social media access. We pay in information. We pay in control. We pay with our likes, our dislikes, access to our contacts, our social and political views, and so much more. In exchange, we have an easier time making great networking connections. We have an easier way to catch up with old friends, even an easier way to stalk exes. We're only now just beginning to see the real price that we've paid for all of that access. Same goes for a lot of businesses built off that access. They're beginning to see the price they've paid for access to that information. And without that information, they're starting to see a strain on operations too. In most cases, these aren't the companies that you hear in the news that have abused Facebook's data sharing, like uh, GSR, the company that collected all that data on behalf of Cambridge Analytica. They're businesses that, to the best of our knowledge, followed all the rules. They accessed the data that was made available to them. But they're feeling the pain too. This week, Facebook sent users of the dating app Tinder into a panic when it began making changes to restrict access to the Facebook API and improve privacy. Now, Facebook doesn't own Tinder, but Tinder does use the Facebook API to allow users to log in via their Facebook account. You've done that before, right? Not necessarily with Tinder, but where you've just done log in through Facebook and then they create an account for you and you don't have to think about it or enter all your information. That's common practice. Big deal, right? Well, it is a big deal because it's access to your data and it's a big deal when Facebook impedes access to your product or service. It's not just Tinder either, marketing tools that access Facebook or Instagram's API to help marketers and agencies view social media performance of the brands they work with. They also saw partial access revoked this week. And as marketers, sometimes we use custom audiences on Facebook and Instagram. You can upload consumer data into Facebook and find Facebook users that are similar to your customers so you can advertise to them. That's another area seeing many changes and affecting many marketers just like us. We have to remember social media is never free. What we don't pay through information, we pay through giving up control. When you build your business or marketing on someone else's platform, you leave your brand vulnerable to change. Facebook owns the platform. If they want to remove API access that your business is built on, well, they have every right to do so. If they want to reduce the reach you get from an ad, they make brands pay to access more users and all the data that goes along with them. Yeah, they absolutely can. And guess what? We agreed to those terms when we created business accounts to advertise. Mark Zuckerberg said this week, this is the beginning of a multi-year effort to improve Facebook's operations. So changes are only just beginning. They're going to continue to come. And honestly, it's not new. For years, Facebook has always tested new features, they've adjusted old ones, they've added new ad types, they've changed how you can use data. Maybe it's time to give up some of that access 
so that we can gain back some of the control when it comes to our data and who gets to use it. Did you hear the figure this week, 87 million? That's the latest number of potential users, 87 million affected by the Cambridge Analytica data debacle that is shared by Facebook. That number significantly higher than the 30 million Cambridge Analytica claimed were involved in the original 50 million user figure from Facebook. Facebook admitted most of that 87 million is here in the United States. Now it's kind of getting worse before it gets better. In the past few weeks, an internal memo written by Facebook VP Andrew Bosworth was leaked that basically admitted their growth justified the shortcuts in safety and privacy they made. There was also a revelation that a glitch led to Facebook's storage of unpublished deleted videos. The ones you're like, yeah, that's not good, delete and you redo it. Yeah, apparently for some people, they accidentally stored those because of a glitch. Also, Facebook recently admitted it scans text and photos that you send through Messenger. They do it because they're trying to keep up community standards. It's not for advertising purposes, but they maybe didn't really disclose that good enough. The whole privacy scandal seems to be getting worse before it's getting better. The good news is that it is getting better. Facebook is now taking steps to swiftly correct all the policies that kind of put them in this situation. There have been a whole slew of announcements over the past week or so. Here are some of them. They announced new easier-to-read terms of service, and Facebook is asking for user feedback on its new data policies. They want to know, do you understand how your data is going to be used? Facebook also announced restrictions to the data and the API that third parties can access. That includes call and text history. People on Android phones were freaking out because they realized, wait a minute, Facebook has a log of every text I made and every call I've made and who it was to and when it was. Yeah, Facebook is gonna restrict some of that data to make sure that other people cannot use that and they're gonna not collect some of that data too. Brands will be required to certify user consent for the use of any data uploaded. So if a marketing agency like ours is using consumer data to upload to Facebook, we have to certify that we have permission to use that email list. Facebook also added a bulk app removal tool for users to restrict access to apps that maybe you gave access to years ago and don't even remember. And a couple of weeks ago, they restricted access from data partners like Axiom, and Experian, they may actually be reversing that policy, which is good for marketers. That's according to the CEO of Axiom. Mark Zuckerberg said this week that as they put in privacy controls in Europe to comply with the general data protection rules, they're going to make those same controls and settings available everywhere, not just in Europe. That's good news. Facebook's pretty confident it's going to survive this and get past this, despite the media's portrayal of users leaving in mass. The stories in the news about hashtag delete Facebook. Advertising Age reports that of the top 1,000 ad spenders on Facebook, only seven have stopped advertising in the initial weeks after this whole scandal broke. The fact that Uber and Yahoo and Equifax were able to survive their nightmare scenarios that they were in, their recent scandals, well, that's somewhat of a comfort to both brands and investors that Facebook will get through this all right, let's switch subjects from Facebook. Okay, enough about Facebook. Let's talk YouTube. We were all saddened to hear about the tragic shooting at the YouTube offices in California this past week. Now, at the time of this blog, still a lot of unknown details of the entire situation. Officials believe that the motive of the shooter 
was likely related to the recent changes in revenue from her YouTube channels. And I mean, they, they really dropped the revenue they were generating. TechCrunch reports that her personal website and videos make it clear she believed the company deliberately limited reach of some users, including herself. That it wasn't the content of her videos. She had screenshots showing that they were still getting a lot of views, but the revenue they were generating had dropped significantly. And we've heard before about other YouTubers facing demonetization after producing videos that YouTube felt was against their terms of service. A lot of those videos used racist language or spread hateful ideas, and so far that doesn't seem to be the case in this incident. Many of our videos were about veganism or animal abuse or song parodies. It really doesn't seem to fit the mold that other YouTubers faced with demonetization, so we don't know yet why YouTube restricted the revenue generation on those videos. But what we do know is violence is not an appropriate way to resolve issues that you have with the company or brand or anyone in that matter. Here's another case of us not owning our social channels, right? As we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, the platform, in this case YouTube, owns those channels. So it can monitor, it can restrict, it can remove users according to the terms that we accept when we sign up. And yes, if they choose, those actions can significantly affect revenue. We'll have to see how that story continues to unfold. Our thoughts continue to be with the employees of YouTube as that investigation goes on. Now, I've written several times about the battle for smart speaker share, right, between Amazon's Echo and the Google Home. In addition to becoming the home hub for voice commerce, there's a significant pool of ad dollars related to voice that's expected to grow by leaps and bounds over the next several years, and they want to get as much share so they can get as much of those ad dollars and as much of the e-commerce dollars that are available. Now, Amazon before us tested some voice promotions and discounts with Alexa, but they really haven't opened up the floodgate. Brands can't just jump onto a self-serve platform and create a promotion through Alexa. Recently, though, Google teamed up with Target to give discounts through a promotion through its Google Assistant. This is believed to be maybe the first time a brand has done a promotion with Google Assistant. It was a $15 discount. It was activated when you told your Google Assistant to spring into Target. And then it was fulfilled through Google Express, which is their answer to Amazon Prime. Now, Target told Adweek that it hit its sales goals early. That's a good sign if you're a brand that wants to get involved with consumer attention on a voice platform. Now, is either Amazon or Google going to start allowing brands to put up ads every three seconds on your Echo or your Google Home? Hopefully not. I can't see that they would. The user experience would be awful. But it is interesting that they are testing to see how consumers react because ultimately they want consumers to have a good experience. Now, it wasn't just Google Assistant that had money on the brain or should we say neural network. Alexa did as well as it unveiled a new feature. Amazon unveiled the new feature to make donations directly through your Amazon device. The skill is triggered through the phrase, Alexa, make a donation. Currently, there are 40 charities to choose from so you can make a donation on your Echo device that includes the American Cancer Society, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, and National Public Radio. And they're going to expand that list of charitable organizations pretty quickly. And I imagine that a lot of local organizations in your area will be able to jump on there. Now, one reason consumers like voice as a platform, whether it's shopping or donations, 
It's convenient. It saves time. Anytime you can reduce friction in the spending of money or the shopping process, you can remove an objection opportunity. Consumers are willing to spend their money, just like using Facebook to log in and create an account. It's easy. It's one click or one phrase away from spending money or making a donation. I imagine breaking news stories like a natural disaster or a humanitarian crisis could see an uptick in donations with a simple voice donation process. Next time there's a big hurricane that moves through, uh, or next time there's a tsunami or, or an earthquake, you can just say, Alexa, make a donation to the American Red Cross. And bam, it's just done because it's all tied to your Amazon account. That really could be a game changer for charitable donations in the next few years. Now, there are other stories that happened in the digital world that we can't cover here in this podcast. We do have links to them on our blog version of the Britain Digital Update. Some of the other stories you should probably take notice of include e-commerce customers expecting that customer service should be 24-7. Like half of e-commerce customers believe that. LinkedIn adds autoplay video ads despite the FTC warning YouTubers still aren't disclosing deals and that's not a good thing. Group video chat comes to Snapchat and Waze opens up ads to small businesses. Waze, like the app on your phone that gives you traffic updates and directions. Yeah, you can advertise on there. All that and more online at BritainMDG.com. Just click on blog and the digital update section and you'll see all of our updates. Now, if you feel like this was informative, you feel like this was loaded with value, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Britain Digital Update and hit the subscribe button. You can do it on SoundCloud as well. And if you really love it and leave a positive review too we totally appreciate that wow that went pretty fast that's a wrap of the britain digital update podcast for the week of april 2nd 2018 episode 7 i'm dave be good thanks for listening